Hello and welcome back. This is Charles and you're listening to the Bringing It All Back Home podcast. A podcast about analog gear. As well as digital. Looking around South Jersey photography. As well as reaching out to friends far and wide, near and far I guess. Looking to do live chats and catch up with what they are up to. What this podcast is going to be up to today is all about returning to an analog combo or cambo. It's an analog combo. Um, Going all the way back home, bringing it home with some Ilford Delta film, as well as the good old Rolleiflex. So stay tuned. Just a couple of minutes ago, I finished scanning... Another roll of Ilford, Delta 100. This one was a little different because this one was the first 120 roll I've developed in quite a while. Pretty much since I've gotten on this uh, revived Ilford 100 kick. It was just textbook easy, you know. Nothing about this roll uh, had any problems whatsoever. I was especially uh, lucky on the first attempt to reel it into the reel loaded on the loaded into the 120 which sometimes does throw me off like if i do a whole bunch of 120 reels over and over and over that becomes easier uh and then the first one i do of 35 seems a little odd uh but that did not throw me off because uh this time it was a little bit reversed uh i was doing mostly 35 millimeter rolls the last couple of shots or shoots and uh Got back into a roll of 120. And yeah, it just went terrific. Uh, didn't have any problems mixing up the water. That seemed to stay pretty level pretty quickly. Had no problem loading up the reel into the Patterson. And uh, yeah, just went pretty smooth. Uh, tried a, yet another new number. Uh, as If you guys may recall, uh, when I discovered uh, the happy accident back in the first Wildwood roll, I severely shorted the solution. So instead of doing the proper dilution of uh, HC110B, which would have been at that time around 15 or 16 milliliters, I I think cut it in half, I guess. I think I had eight or nine. So since then, I've been kind of trying to find another sweet spot, you know, keeping it under. So uh, the last roll I did was, I think, a a 12 milliliter solution. Came out fine. And this one I backed down to 11 uh, and love the results so Ilford is just my new hero uh, they are uh, still within range of affordability uh, the Delta 100 really didn't go up much in price um, I've been shooting nothing but the Delta 100 I know on Twitter right now there's some debate about whether there's a couple of bad batches out there of Pan F50, uh, but that's not affecting me because I don't really shoot that much anymore, even though I love the look when you do get a decent roll out of it. Uh, I'd always had problems with the Pan F50 with uh, being ridiculously sensitive to scratches. Um, I think if you just stared at it too long uh, as it was drying, uh, it it would leave a little mark, let alone fingers or the dreaded squeegee. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, Delta 100, I just uh, reordered a batch. I think I ordered about four or five more rolls of 35. And I ordered a couple more 120s. And yeah, I think after this last roll, which I just developed this morning, uh, shot yesterday, 
I think I may just be going all in on 100. Uh, I still have a box left. I think about five rolls left of uh, T-Max 100. They're not going to expire for a while, so maybe they'll get back onto that in the summer. Uh, but I just loved how easy everything was about shooting this 120. Loaded no problem into my camera. Loaded again, no problem, uh, back into the Patterson reel. I only let this guy dry for, wow, maybe two hours, maybe two and a half, uh, and flat as a board. No problem with curling. And I love the combination of uh, HC-110 with it. It's, uh, it's just so easy. There's just a really lovely quality to the way the HC-110 is rendering everything. I think I'm getting terrific... Uh, sharpness or acutance is that the word uh and yeah it's just got that it's slightly it's got hints of the same tea green of you know t-max 100 but it doesn't that's what i really like about it i find it so interesting i feel like there's still more to learn about this film it does not resemble t-max and it does not resemble fp4 uh so yeah trying to find out where where, where it sits yeah, so I mix the water, as I mentioned before. Now, that sounds really strange. What do I mean by mix the water? Uh, I mean, like, when I'm trying to get the right temperature, um, I'm turning, you know, my, my kitchen sink's two faucet handles, one for the cold water and one for the hot. And and as the temperature's warming up, you know, we're approaching spring, uh, it's always a little different. It's kind of like these, you know, fine-tuning. I'm trying to find some sweet spot around 21 or 22 Celsius. Uh, so that's what I mean by that bizarre comment. I'm mixing water. Uh, and uh, I've been very self-conscious lately about the fact that I I'm so stuck with saying water lately. Um, when I do some of my training sessions at my job, they do involve that word. Uh, and I've literally had someone stop me and say, did you say wooder? <laughs> like, yeah, it's a South Jersey thing. Uh, I think I can train my brain to say water, but lately it just sounds so fake. Like, whatever I say water yeah, it just sounds like I'm talking like uh, I'm imitating somebody. So yeah, whatever it is, um, proud of my South Jersey freakish accent uh, <laughs> when it comes to that word. Anyhow, so yeah, going back to the analog combo, Ilford Delta 100. I would love to do an advertisement for it. I think this is just such a fantastic film right now. I'm just stunned that I never really stuck with it. I remember trying it really far back. I remember trying it on my Olympus OM-1, speaking of which, from the last episode. Uh, one of the last uh, analog photos of Jim Gracie was with Delta 100. I did not have any home development kit back then. I got it developed in Philly just before we left. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's an interesting memory. And I think I may have asked them to pull the film because I was reading about how Delta 100 is, uh, you know, a film that seems to be work well if you uh, overexpose a little bit and then reel back the development time. And yeah, lo and behold, I'm sort of doing that now. Only in my case, I'm not so much reeling back the development time. I'm reeling back the dilution. Yeah. Every time I'm using the, the chemical, 
uh, Codex HC-110. I am still flabbergasted that it's still going strong. I can't even remember when I bought this stuff. I bought one bottle, uh, moved them all into these little four-ounce bottles that supposedly helps keep it fresh a lot longer. I'm barely touching the stuff. I don't think I'm even close to being halfway through my batch. And yeah, it's, I don't know, you know, people love this film for what it does and the look it can create. But also too, you got to love the fact that you never have to rebuy it. It lasts years. So yeah, thumbs up for Ilford Delta 100 and its ever so friendly combo developer. Kodak HC-110. Yeah, what a great film. I'm sorry, great uh, developer and film. So yeah, let's talk about the Rolleiflex. I'd mentioned on previous podcasts, and I think I'm going to be repeating myself over and over, this is like the little guy that could. I'm holding it right now in my left hand, and it's just such a sweet little camera. Uh, it is wearable. It is easily operatable, you know, it's easy to use. This is the one with the Schneider uh, lens, the Xenar. Uh, This is the 3.5 Rolleiflex. And this is the one I bought off of eBay looking pretty beat up. The, you know, the condition of the body uh, looks pretty worn. The lens is not in perfect shape in any way. But I've never really detected any issues uh, with the lens being fogged up or the lens having any haze. Knock wood. So far, so good. But it has quite a few other problems. I pretty much use it exclusively uh, on the shutter speeds of 250 and 125. I rarely use uh, all of the f-stops. I think they all work, but lately I've been just stuck on f8. And really, who who can complain about that, you know? Um, I think when people do these A and B comparisons between the entry-level Schneider Xenar versus the more top-of-the-line lenses, whether it's the Zeiss or the Zenitar from Schneider, often they're really referring to how sharp... And how contrasty is it edge to edge when you're on the wider apertures? Speaking of which, you know, this widest aperture is 3.5. And typically when you get into the more expensive Roloflexes, oh, wow, you've got 2.8. But, you know, when you, when you shoot a medium format camera, you're still going to get that 3D effect. You're still going to get that separation. If you're just close enough, if you're just close enough to the subject, you're going to get this wonderful separation. You're going to make it look like you shot at 2.8, even though you shot it at f8. I literally have a shot uh, I'll post with this podcast of uh, another photographer I work with named Manny. And yeah, the separation is terrific. You know, I'm just going to pop into my desktop right now as I'm speaking, bring up that shot. So, yeah, let's see. Here's, uh, here's Manny standing just outside one of our, uh, one of our uh, stores near where I work. And, yeah, okay. So now I look at it. The, uh, the fall off of the background 
isn't super blurry, but there's an there's a complete distinction between him in the frame and everything behind him. And yet this was shot at F8. So that's a beautiful thing too. So I don't know what the exact transfer of it is, but this kind of appears if I was shooting in 35 millimeter as if I shot at say maybe 35 or F4. Um, and yeah, I, I find with the Roly uh, and this film combination, it's just such a wonderful uh thing to work with with the so-called sunny 16 like as long as the sun is out it doesn't have to be a perfectly sunny day but as long as there is sun i just go out with uh shoot a 250 f8 classic uh you know i think it's the ev15 technically if you're looking at the chart for sunny 16 and i just yeah just adjust the shutter a little bit if it's suddenly in the shade you know so if it's in the shade uh i may uh Take it, uh, open it up to 125, or if it's in the shade, I may nudge it just a little bit back from F8. But pretty much, you know, black and white film is so forgiving; it, it's it's in the ballpark, uh, and that just creates such an an energy. I find with the shoot, like I'm not worried about meters. I'm not using the meter, um, my Sekonic. I'm not pulling out the meter on my iPhone. I'm just rolling around, having fun, getting a shot done uh, outside. Uh, and I'm getting to really love the whole F8 thing. You know, I just feel like there's a there's a, a guarantee of getting the subject really nicely sharp, uh, not worrying about that kind of okay their their jacket and maybe their hair is starting to get blurry behind them because I'm shooting at F4, let alone a three five. So yeah, so it's like the the controls are all there. Um, but going back to what doesn't work on this camera. So let alone the shutter, the shutter has issues. The shutter is, is really, really uh, in need of a CLA. So I use a little remote cable. And on this shoot, uh, the very first shot I took, uh, it did one of those jamming things where it wouldn't let me advance the, you know, advance to the next frame. And uh, the subject who I was taking a picture of, uh, Raj, uh, I'm like, oh, wait, don't worry about it, man. Just just go go back to work. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'll, I'll figure this out. I wasn't worried at all. I got it to go to the next frame. And then when I look back at the shot, it, it did actually take the shot of Raj. Uh, and, and it did create a double exposure, too. So that's fun as well. I kind of kind of love those accidental double exposures. But when I do need it to work, it does work um, pretty reliably. So yeah, with those restrictions, like I'm not going to be covering too many shutter speeds. I do have to walk around with this, you know, remote cable screwed in. I kind of learned to love that as well. Um, and again, going back, why I also use the remote cable is any typical camera, especially uh, a TLR, you know, when you fire the shutter, you should hear a little click and your finger should uh, you know, kind of face a little bit uh, or feel a little bit of pressure before it clicks. With my Roly, it's just a little mush. There's no click, there's barely any click sound, and it's just sort of like, woof, you know. So I spoke about that, I think, last summer. But no big deal. Got the remote shutter, fires no problem. Um, yeah, is the finder as clear as it could be? No. Uh, but even with my rapidly uh, 
worrisome eyesight. Uh, I I was very pleased. I'm still able to get a decent focus. And I guess it doesn't hurt if I'm I'm shooting at F8 as well. So yeah, what is the analog combo of this episode? A TLR. Obviously, I'm I'm a huge fan of the Roloflex that I'm using right now, but really any TLR would would work, Um, whether it's a Yashica or at least something that works. Uh, or Mamiya, Mamiya C33. I'm still uh, very fond of all the photos I took with the Mamiya C33. There's still one huge difference between those two. Uh, even though it fits in your hand, uh, the Mamiya C33 or even the C330, it doesn't in any way feel like the way the Roly fits in your hand. The roll effects, Roloflex is just so light. It is just beautiful. It is uh, an ideal weight for a camera. Uh, as I think I mentioned before, you could easily just go out on a on a hike, go out on a, a street journey, take a couple of rolls of film with you, and have that roll around your shoulder or around your neck hours and hours and hours and hours and not feel in any way weighed down by it. Uh, I guess, though, you know, I think one, thinking about what I just said, one slight advantage about the Mamiya, because it has that extra weight, is that handheld, um, I had to adjust to, to some degree uh, to to staying quite still taking the shot with the Roly. I think that was the only uh, thing that I, I think I've reached that point now where I'm almost there, but it's true, I suppose, that... Uh, you know, handheld holding any camera with a little bit of heft, um, you can just kind of get it anchored in a way. It's not really moving as you use your other hand or your other finger to fire the shutter. So yeah, uh, TLR, Roloflex, um, the Ilford Delta Film, and AC-110. Uh, so there it is. That's my analog combo for this week. Uh, huge thumbs up. I'm an, an enormously enamored of these uh, three things together. Kind of thinking about last week's episode where I was sort of rating uh, or emphasizing, you know, do you have a system that is that extra fun? You know, the like going back again and again to the Leica 3A. I, I suppose that the Roliflex could be in that category, uh, if it just got a CLA, you know, if it did, uh, or if I found one that already had a CLA, uh, if it was running at the fullest capacity where all the shutters worked, everything was, was nice and bright in the viewfinder. I suppose that it, it would, I, it would take, uh, take it to a completely different level. What I find so remarkable, um, and this is really, uh, night and day compared to the Leica is that at least the, the, with, even with the issues that my version of the Roloflex has, you know, again, this, you could say this is like a poor man's Roloflex because, uh, a really good CLA Roloflex is definitely going to run you over $800, uh, at least over 600. Um, I got this guy for two, you know, in beat up condition. 
But even with all the shortcomings, because the focus at least is still working very well, nothing's interfering with the focus. And by the way, this this is one of the versions, even though it's very old, um, You when you do look into the waist level uh, uh, part of it, um, it's still blocking the light very well. Uh, some of the rollies or even maybe some of the roller cords uh, had this scenario where uh, it wasn't covered on all four sides. So, so if it was, if you had a lot of overhead light, it could be difficult looking through the waist level, but yeah, so I guess that's why this guy is still uh, in the ballpark. Whereas, you know, the Leica with the uh, rangefinder patch, if you've got an old Barnack or an old, any old uh, rangefinder that isn't able to focus really well, you're going to be struggling with maintaining your enthusiasm for taking that guy out over and over. Bringing it all back one more time, I think stepping back and kind of reflecting on this idea of the analog combo with the Roloflex and last uh, the previous episode where I was really talking about how I'm becoming dangerously love with, uh, with a Leica, it, it just goes to show in some respects how well made and how well designed and how truly traditional this passion this passion is i mean think about it like i'm getting to a point after so many so many years where if i want to shoot analog what's really coming out uh as as my favorites right now um is a 6x6 uh tlr you know a 6 by a 6x6 camera uh, a classic rangefinder, you know, like, like how it pretty much doesn't get more traditional than that. Yeah, you're, you're going to go out with your rangefinder, you're going to and shoot 35 millimeter, you're going to go out with your TLR and shoot 120. And what's the rangefinder? A freaking Leica. What's the TLR? A classic Roly. Yeah, I, I mean it's uh it's it's the 1950s all over again, you know. Um, going back to just hearkening back to just something that was uh, was so commonplace back then. Yeah, you're shooting black and white. Uh, you're holding your TLR in your hand. You're grabbing your rangefinder, and you're just having ridiculous amounts of fun. And on that note, speaking of uh, ridiculous amounts of fun, uh, I'm just so glad to be able to keep going with this podcast. Um, trying my best to keep it every single week. There's been some things that have uh, kind of crossed paths a little bit this month where I thought I was going to get a podcast going uh, that was kept getting delayed. So on a, at the last minute, I was kind of creating one. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope you guys are enjoying the fact, if you are a subscriber, that uh, every Tuesday one of these is landing. And yeah, I want to kind of keep, keep uh, reaching out for folks to do the live chats. Speaking about the live chats, uh, someone reached out to me just yesterday about starting their own podcast and doing it as a conversation or a weekly conversation. And that's the one part that, I mean, I know this is sort of behind the scenes stuff uh, that makes it a little bit challenging software and internet wise is unless you invest in some kind of computer software that's sort of recording uh, behind the scenes as you go live. Uh, the two options that I've been using are um, recording an audio chat with Skype or recording an audio chat with the Anchor app, who who I use to publish the podcast. And everything can go perfectly well. I've, I've been very happy with the majority of the recordings. Uh, but if there is an issue where 
one of the speakers is um, just getting recorded a little too low or too loud, uh, it doesn't quite let you go back and readjust those individual levels. Essentially, it just leaves you with one audio mix, one audio file that's combined both conversations uh, or possibly with Skype, several conversations. So yeah, put that out there. And uh, um, But I think uh, the person I was speaking with, you know, one solution that's really, really easy is just if they both have the similar, if not the identical microphone that they're using, uh, then it's not that hard uh, to find an area where they're both uh, the levels are both coming in uh, with the same amount of of loudness, you know. So so you don't have to have that weird scenario where you're playing back the podcast in your car and you're trying to listen to the guest and they're recorded really low, you know. So you crank it up a little bit more and then the host comes back on and he's or he or she's just extremely loud again. <laughs> Uh, I definitely had that uh, issue before when I was enjoying listening to a podcast. Um, but yeah, if, as long as that's in the ballpark, um, I'm totally okay with that. And, and to be totally honest, uh, I, I'm more interested in the content of the podcast and reaching out to people, whether they're doing photography or other types of uh, of fun stuff, uh, that it's all about the conversation. Uh, it's not about the, uh, the audio engineering. Uh, so... I'll leave it with that. And anyhow, uh, thanks again for tuning in. This is Charles, and this is Bringing It All Back Home.